was a blessing, and uh, the quartet was a blessing. Brother Rick is going to sing again uh, tonight. Judges chapter 4, get there, I'm going to start reading. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord when Ehud was dead. The, the series title is Cycles of Judgment. Cycles of Defeat, I'm sorry. And they, they, they just keep going back to it. Please be honest with yourself about your tendency to just keep going back. And the honesty will help you to deal with that. Um, and the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, that reigned in Hazor, the captain of whose host was Sisera, which dwelt in Herosheth of the Gentiles. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, for he, referring to Sisera, had 900 chariots of iron, in 20 years, he mightily oppressed the children of Israel. And Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, she judged Israel at that time. And she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in Mount Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. And she sent and called Barak, the son of Abinoam, out of Kedesh Naphtali. This is Deborah, and said unto him, Hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded, saying, Go and draw toward Mount Tabor, and take with thee ten thousand men of the children of Naphtali, and of the children of Zebulun. And I will draw unto thee to the river Kishon Sisera, the captain of Jabin's army with his chariots and his multitude, and I will deliver him into thine hand. And Barak said unto her, If thou wilt go with me, then I will go, but if thou wilt not go with me, then I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with thee, notwithstanding the journey that thou takest shall not be for thine honor, for the Lord shall sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. And Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kedesh. Go down to verse, or continue reading, I'm sorry. And Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali to Kedesh, and he went up with 10,000 men at his feet, and Deborah went with him. Now Heber the Canite, which was of the children of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, had severed himself from the Kenites and pitched his tent unto the plain of Zainim, which is by Kedesh. And they showed Sisera that Barak, the son of Abinoam, was gone up to Mount Tabor, and Sisera gathered together all his chariots, even 900 chariots of iron, and all the people that were with him, from Herosheth of the Gentiles unto the river of Kishon. And Deborah said unto Barak, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord hath delivered Sisera into thine hand. Is not the Lord gone out before thee? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor and ten thousand men after him. And the Lord discomfited Sisera and all his chariots and all his hosts with the edge of the sword before Barak, so that Sisera lighted down off his chariot and fled away on his feet. But Barak pursued after the chariots and after the hosts unto Herosheth of the Gentiles and all the host of Sisera fell upon the edge of the sword, and there was not a man left. Howbeit Sisera fled away on his feet to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. For there was peace between Jabin the king of Hazor and the house of Heber the Kenite. And Jael went out to meet Sisera, and said unto him, Turn in, my lord, turn in to me, fear not. And when he had turned in unto her into the tent, she covered him with the mantle. And he said unto her, Give me, I pray thee, a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. And she opened a bottle of milk and gave him drink and covered him. Again he said unto her, Stand in the door of the tent, and it shall be when any man doth come and inquire of thee and say, Is there any man here that thou shalt say, No? Then Jael Heber's wife took a nail of the tent and took a hammer in her hand and went softly unto him and smote the nail into his temples and fastened it into the ground, for he was fast asleep and weary. And then the next three words are a very obvious statement. So he died. <laughs> Say it this way, he didn't wake up. <laughs> And behold, as Barak pursued Sisera, Jael came out to meet him and said unto him, Come, and I will show thee the man whom thou seekest. And when he came into her tent, behold, Sisera lay dead, and the nail was in his temples. 
So God subdued on that day Jabin, the king of Canaan, before the children of Israel. And the, children, and the hand of the children of Israel prospered and prevailed against Jabin, the king of Canaan, until they had destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. Canaan. Title is this, Women Used Mightily of God. Women Used Mightily of God. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Brother Rick will sing, and then we'll get to this message. The news came to Jesus. Please come fast. Lazarus is sick, and without your help, will not last. Mary and Martha watched their brother die. They waited for Jesus, but he did not come, and they wondered why. The death watch was over. Buried for days, and then somebody said, He'll soon be here. The Lord's on his way. Martha ran to him, and then she cried, Lord, if you had been here, you could have healed him. He'd still be alive, but you're four days late, and all hope is gone. Lord, we don't understand why you've waited so long. Well, his way is God's way. Not yours or mine. And isn't it great when he's four days late? He's still on time. Jesus said, Martha, show me the grave. But she said, Lord, you don't understand. He's been there for days. The great stone was rolled back, and Jesus cried. Lazarus, come forth. Then somebody said,
a blessing. I love that truth, and it's such a, such a great way to sing about it, Brother Rick. I was also thinking about while he was singing, um, Joy, that was a great job at the Offertory, and uh, appreciate, appreciate all the work so many people do in different ways. That is a blessing. So in, in Judges chapter 4, Israel is again being mightily oppressed, and we know that because that's what the text says in verse number three in 20 years he mightily oppressed the children of israel look you you cannot be so foolish to think that sin does not have lengthy consequences at times now look i'm thankful and we preach this that wherever sin abounds grace does much more abound but it also does have consequences as well there are ramifications young people you're getting ready to go to camp and you have an opportunity to hear from God and to respond to God and to continue building on making decisions that will result in good consequences in your life. And those good consequences can last and they can continue. But you better get this in your brains and in your hearts that the bad consequences can go on as well. And we can make decisions that result that result in difficulty. And then another part of this is it just... It, in. It, Please understand the nature of God. His desire isn't for us to always be comfortable. His desire is for us to have his blessing in our life. And sometimes he has to bring difficulty and hardship because of our rebellious spirits to get us back into a place of submission with him. That does not mean in any way, shape, or form that every adversity is a result of rebellion in our hearts. At all. That's not biblical. But there are going to be seasons when we rebel and he brings consequences into our life. It ultimately is for our good so that we would turn back to him. And I am thankful that when we cry unto him, again in verse number 3, it may not be exactly when we want him to do it, but he does hear us and he does respond to us with deliverance, with help, with mercy, with compassion. I know it's a long day, but don't get bored with the fact that God responds to you when you call out to him, no matter how many times you've hardened your heart and turned your back on him. He's there again and again and again and again, and we can just go on. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. There's no cap put on that. Well, how many times and what sin specifically? No, you willing to confess it and humble yourself. He will forgive you and bring you back into a right fellowship with him over and over and over. I'm so thankful for that. Well, in our text, God uses the man Barak to deliver Israel. We read in verse number 14 and verse number 15 that he led 10,000 men. And that's a lot of men, but it paled in comparison to the military superiority of Jabin the king and Sisera his general. They were going up against 900 chariots of iron. And if you can just imagine ground troops versus tanks, that, that would help you to understand what these chariots of iron versus ground troops marching towards them. But that wasn't even the rest of the army. It's a pretty innumerable host because it talks about all of these people in verse number 13, and all the people that were with him, Sisera, from Harosheth of the Gentiles unto the river Kishon. And so all of these people come, uh, come against Barak and this army of 10,000. In verse 14, he's told by Deborah, who we'll talk about in a moment, up for this is the day which the Lord hath delivered Sisera into thine hand. Is not the Lord gone out before thee? Hey, hey, wait, there's nothing too great for God. And if we know that we're following him and he's going out before us, he's helping us. Listen, he can do amazing things in the lives of people. So Barak goes down. And the Lord gets involved in verse number 15. And because of Barak's faith, that opened the door to God's intervention. You see this principle and you see this cycle all over the place in Scripture that, that God expects us to obey and then he does his part. Most often that's how it works. God tells us, you need to follow me in this way. You need to humble yourself in this way. You need to make this right in this way. You need to take this step of faith. And then when we humble ourselves and we take those steps of faith and obedience, at some point he steps in and he just begins to do things that only, only God can do. 
And it's going to be the same way for West Valley. It's going to be that way for you as individuals, and it's going to be that way for us as a church, that we have to submit to what he tells us to do. And then when we, in faith, obey him, the result is going to be God's going to come alongside and begin to do things that we never thought were possible. Here's the problem. We want God to work, and then we'll obey. But God's work is in response to our obedience. You, got, you just got to develop this mindset about marriage, about parenting, about finances, about ministry, about being involved in church, that God's involvement is usually showing up in, in, in parallel with or in coordination with our obedience and our acts of faith. And it's not that he doesn't want to be involved, it's that he wants us to be involved with him in the process. And so, man, they have, they have a complete victory. Barak is mentioned in Hebrews 11.32. The point of this message is not to undermine Barak at all. Because he's mentioned in the hall of faith briefly, but he's mentioned there. He was used mightily of God. Not a perfect man as none of the people in Hebrews 11 were perfect. But he was used by God in an amazing way. And he had the faith to take God at his word. I've even preached out of... Hebrews 11 about Barak. I'm, I'm so thankful for how God used him and for how God joined himself in the labor of Barak. But there are two other characters in this account that are absolutely amazing. Who God used to deliver the word to Barak and then who God used to deliver the final blow to destroy Jabin's army. This is where we're introduced to some of my favorite people in the Bible. Deborah, Debbie Cakes, <laughs> and Jail. <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about just chocolate and cream right now, sorry. Anyway, the name Deborah means Queen Bee. Bee. She was very busy and very active and you think about this, she had a lot of influence. The Bible tells us in verse number four that Deborah was a prophetess. And here's what that means, that God spoke to her and she told people what God said. Now, there are other examples in scripture of prophetesses in Exodus 15, in 2 Kings 22, in Luke chapter 2, and in Acts chapter 21. You know, this doesn't mean that she was a pastor, but she was obviously used of God to declare his truth to this generation and to specifically give direction concerning specific situations. We know in verse number four that she was a wife. We also know that she was used by God to tell people what God had said. In verse number five, the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. In verse 6 and 7, and then in verse number 14, she was the one who told Barak what God's plan was and then encouraged him to take the step of faith to go into battle and to trust that God was going to be with them and deliver them. In verse 8 and 9, Barak didn't want to go without her. He said that I'll go up as long as you go up. And, I, and that's not necessarily an endorsement of Barak. He should have had confidence in the word of God. But it does speak to the character of Deborah and to her spiritual influence at that time. And she went to be an encouragement to his faith. So please, please get this. We're going somewhere and I'm trying to go quick. But, but Israel is in a time of oppression and there is a man that God is going to use to lead the army and to deliver the nation from 20 years of hard oppression. But the one that he uses to deliver the word to the one who will lead the army, the one that he uses to inspire the faith of the one who will lead the army, it is a prophetess, a woman named Deborah. Now get it. Here's what you can't deny. She has a walk with God, and she is used by God to communicate the truth and to influence the faith of the man who will lead nation, the nation to, Israel, to victory. Look, I know you're tired. Stay in there. It's good stuff. No, God would use Barak to lead the army and deliver the nation to battle the oppressors, but the one he would use to deliver the word to him, the one that he would use to inspire his faith, was a woman named Deborah. 
Good stuff. Then we're introduced to jail. So God is using Barak and his men to put the whoop dog on Sisera. And they're just, they're just tearing them up. I mean, in 15, the Lord discomfited Sisera. Look, it doesn't matter if you have 10 or 10,000. When God gets involved in your battles, nobody's going to be able to stand against you. It's just amazing. And he smokes them, and he uses Barak and his men. And Barak, so Sisera, they're just getting smoked. It says that all the host was with the edge of the sword, fell before Barak, and then in verse number 16, and all the host of Sisera fell upon the edge of the sword, and there was not a man left. So Sisera, like a great leader, Sisera the sissy, in verse 15, he lighted down off his chariot and fled away after the, on his feet. Yeah, look, it's easy to be courageous when everything's going right. It's different to stand in the midst of adversity when things aren't. Cicero, man, he's out. So he's running away. You got this scene, right? God putting the whoop dog, Barak and his men, chariots just flipped over all, all the place. Man, the, the enemy is on the run, and they're just, God is mowing them down and using them to mow them down. And Cicero is like, well, this was not according to the plan. I'm out. And he takes off running in some other unknown direction. And he sees Heber's tent. We're introduced to Heber in verse number 11, and you see another reference uh, to him in verse number 17. In previous times, Jabin and Heber were at peace with one another. And so Sisera knows that the Kenites in the past have had this peaceful relationship. And so he sees Heber's tent and outsteps Jael. Now look, I understand that it wasn't exactly like this, but I like to use my imagination, okay? Andrea has this red apron, and she's just adorable in it, and then she, when she's making cookies, and my wife's chocolate chip cookies are just phenomenal, and I understand your wife's and your mom's are too, but my wife's better. It's just amazing. I love my wife's chocolate chip cookies. Thank you, Brother Vi. Man, it... And I just, I imagine Jail's been in there working, and she just steps out of the tent. She knows, she's aware enough to know that there's a battle going on, and man, here comes Cicero running. And so she says, hey, come in, turn in. Verse, look at it, verse 18, hey, 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 bud. <laughs> hey, just come on in and rest come take a rest. And sister is like, whew, man, safety. An interesting societal dynamic, and you, and you see references to this in other places. Uh, husbands and wives had different tents in, in the Old Testament. And there, there's some, I'm not saying that they never stayed in the same tent, but they, they, they typically had different tents. And just the cultural norm, Cicero would be thinking, nobody would expect me to be in, in jail's tent. And, and you even see reference to this with Abraham and Sarah at, at times, a reference to her tent and a reference to his tent. And, and so he goes in there and he's like, whew, I made it. And he's like, look, can I just have a little water? I'm thirsty. And she says, hang on, let's, let me get you some milk. No, look, you, milk does not help you stay awake. No, look, trust me, I've eaten like 10 of my wife's cookies and drank chocolate milk. And it's amazing. And it, it I mean, it's it's hard, it hurts, but man, it's amazing. And you just pass out and you'll pay for it later. Eh, so good. And jail's like, hey, man, it's a long day for you. Have some milk. She puts a mantle, a blanket. Like, bud, just get, just get cozy, bud. Oh, this is so good. I understand bud is maybe not in the Hebrew, but it's, it's there somewhere. <laughs> And he's like, look, I mean, he's just, he's just kind of getting cozy. And he's like, look, look, if anybody comes by and says, is there a man in there? Say, no. <laughs> this is good stuff, y'all. Man, just, oh, man. 
He's actually laying down on the floor. Sorry. It's like, oh, man. Look, have you ever been so tired that you just laid on the floor and fell asleep without a pillow? Look, I don't need to be that tired. I can come into your house and fall asleep on your floor. I can fall asleep. Yeah, Brother Brian, see me do it. <laughs> I've fallen asleep on people's back porches, concrete. Like, do y'all mind if I lay down? <laughs> no. <laughs> After this message, I won't do that ever again. <laughs> so. so he goes to sleep. Man, let me, let me come over here. This is the best I had. I'm sorry. This is pathetic. <laughs> it's a little bit bigger. I think the spike was about this size. It was a tent spike. We know that for two reasons. One, the Bible says it. Um, look at verse 420, verse 21. She took a nail of the tent. You know what that is? A tent spike. It, it, it's not, look, I have something else over here. It's not this. It's, it's, it's going to be long enough to hold a tent down. And it, another customary thing that, that's interesting, it was typically a woman's responsibility to set up the tent in those days. So she would know what she's doing. She would know how to drive it. She would know how to handle it. And she would have strength. Strength, man. Like Joanna and Danielle and Ann on that saw. Man, it was a big saw. Like eight feet long, big old log, and they cut it, and then they have to rotate, and they cut it, and then they have to rotate three times. Man, it was, it was impressive. Jail could whoop them. That's right. I still got to pay y'all money anyway. <sighs> she cut, he's laying there. All right. If a guy comes and says, is a man here? Say, no. I mean, he's, man, he's out. Going to sleep, thinking about how he's going to make the rest of his escape. Now, look, you people that think the Bible is boring, you just need to read it more. Because this sister takes this tent spike. Boom. Oh, dude. <laughs> We're getting a new platform soon, I hope, Lord willing, yeah takes the just <laughs> you know how you get your nail just right now look look I, some of you guys there's some of y'all in here you know how to actually drive a nail like a man okay me I'm up there I'm like you know what I'm talking about you're trying to get it stick you know what I'm talking about man some of y'all are just like boom boom look she only had one shot at this she couldn't just be like ding 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 No, this sister, she unloaded. Look, again, if this grosses you out, that's your problem. It's in the book. She smoked that nail. Boom. Dude, if this lady can handle it, you should be able to handle it. Hallelujah. Man, nails... And we know the spike was long because it fastened his head to the ground. That's the Bible says. Through his temples. Mm, look, at, look at verse 21. And fastened it into the ground. For he was weary and fast asleep and dead. <laughs> Man, I love the Bible. It's so awesome. No, seriously, I'm, I love you ought to love the word of God. And it's just, man, it's so awesome. So, so then Barak comes in. Man, he's, he's working hard. I'm not diminishing anything he's doing. And then you, you remember that scene of Jael stepping out? She steps out again. Here comes, here comes Barak and his men. And she's like, hey, fellas, uh, I know where the guy that you're after is. Oh, really? Which way did he go? Just, just, just come over here. Pulls it back. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. This is so, this is so fantastic. Both, 
Israel went on to have complete victory. In verse 23, look at this. So God subdued on that day Jabin, the king of Canaan, before the children of Israel. And the hand of the children of Israel prospered and prevailed against Jabin, the king of Canaan, until they had destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. There are some who want to make this chapter about the deficiency of men. And there are even people that make the argument, and, and the only way you can make this argument is by implication, is that the reason God used Deborah is because men weren't stepping up. Now look, I, I believe that Barak wasn't everything he should have been, but he was still mightily used of God. He was a man of faith. But rather than making this about an implication of what men were not being, when they were obviously in this text used by God, we should rather make it about what women were choosing to be. Thank you. Thank you, Miss Beth. <laughs> no, instead of making it by implication about what guys weren't doing, because the guys were being used of God. No, these were manly, godly men who went to battle against overwhelming odds, and God showed up. But for some reason, we want to take this text and we want to make it about, well, the men weren't. No, I think that there's evidence that the men were, but I think there's also evidence that very clearly stated that the women in this text, primarily Deborah and Jael, were used mightily of God. Some commentators are very critical of Jael. Now, I'm serious about this. This is, this, this is amazing. They say things like, she broke the customary etiquette and violated trust. No, one guy even compares her to Judas Iscariot. And says this, just like God used the betrayal of Judas Iscariot to accomplish his eternal plan of redemption, God used the maniacal betrayal of jail to take care of his people. Here's what I say about that. And I spelled this out in my notes. If you want to know how to spell that out, I've got it right here. That's <laughs> what I think about that. Here's what I want you to get about Deborah. She influenced the people of God by hearing from and communicating the truth of God. And encouraging the men that God would use to lead in battle. Here's what I want you to get about jail that she was discerning enough to recognize the enemy. She was discerning enough to recognize the enemy. And then she was discreet enough to get him to put his guard down. And then she was strong enough and courageous enough to put a tent spike through his temples and nail him to the floor and completely vanquish an enemy that ruthlessly oppressed the people of God. It's amazing. Here's what's, here's what's awesome. Neither of these women had to step outside of the roles God gave them <laughs> to have a generational effect on the people of God. Oh, this is good. Neither of them had to circumvent God's authority or God's mm, parameters for them in order to have a generational effect on a nation. Did God use Barak? Did God use Deborah? Did God use Jael and that nail? Yes, God used them, all three. And neither of these women had to step outside of the role that God had given them in order to do it. Neither of them had to circumvent God's authority that he'd given to men as far as leading in the home and being the leader in a nation. Neither of them had to have the role of men. And it's super popular. None of them had to have the role of men to have a national influence. No, somebody, I just, I just know how human nature is. Somebody's going to hear a message like this and they're going to say, you're diminishing the role of women. No, 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 no. Because I don't know very many men that have had this level of national influence. I, 
I don't personally know many men that have had this level of national influence. And yet you have these two different women used by God in very specific ways. And neither of them had to step outside of the parameters that God gave them in order to have that influence. Okay, look, get the point. Here's what our culture says. That if you want to have maximum influence... You have to step outside of the parameters of a patriarchal society that's racist and misogynist and all of this. Have there been problems and abuses of authority? Absolutely. But structure and authority in its nature are from God and they are used by God. And they are not just for women, it's for all God's people. This is what's so fantastic. That these two women, rather than trying to step outside of what God wanted them to be, they just maximized what God wanted them to be. Here's what we think. That in order to be greatly used to God, used of God, by God, for God, I have to step outside of the role that God has created and equipped me for. No, 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 no. To be used of God, you just have to maximize the role that God has created, equipped and prepared you for. Okay, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to make some application. Hang on a second. Joy, get up here. <laughs> Bud, you are in trouble, dude. That's all I'm saying. Okay, I love you, Asian daughter. I'm waiting. I love you, I dad. Thank you, okay. <laughs> Don't leave me hanging there. Good night. Man, does it, does it seem like God has equipped her for some things? No, no, I'm not being weird. You look at her as a young lady, God has equipped her for some things. No, look at me, girls. Some of you can play the piano. Some of you can't play the piano. Do you know who decides who does and who doesn't? God, and some of it's up to you to be willing to work at it. But ultimately, those gifts, they're from God. Every one of you young ladies, get this. You are a young lady on purpose. There is no mistake in that. There is no misgendering in that. There is no misidentifying of of a careless doctor in that. You were created and formed by the eternal God to be young women and to be equipped to have a hammer and to have a walk with God. And this is what you're being told. Girls, you are being told this on every social media platform, every part of an entertainment industry, that in order to have an influence that will be great in its use, you have to break free of the roles that God has created you for. And I'm just telling you, my dear friend, that is a lie. Because God has equipped you. I need my, I need my sister's. I need my sisters to look at me right here. Man, please get this. It's so easy for you to fall into the trap of thinking, no, in order to have this mighty influence for God, I got to break free of the role that God created me for. No, there are not lesser roles in the kingdom of God. There are different roles in the kingdom of God. I got to break free of this. But, but, But joy, please get this, sweetheart. You know I love you, right? To break free of what God created you for means that you have to let go of the hammer that God gave you. And while you embrace some societal structure, you forsake the thing that God has used to give you the most influence. Just as your friend, as your pastor, I want to ask you, and I want to ask each one of you, I want to ask each one of you, ladies, don't lay down the influence that God has given you as women in order to pursue some false idea that only results in bondage and confusion and greater oppression. It is. Joy, man, one day you're going to get married. (laughs) Where you at, G. Young? Oh, yeah. I'm going to do your premarital counseling. 
<laughs> I'm going to laugh at your mama the whole time. <laughs> She's going to complain at me in Korean. And <laughs> say, whatever. <laughs> it's going to be so good. So good. This is what the world tells you. Man, you get married. You have a family. You pursue serving God. That, you're just throwing away your influence. No, can I say, hold this up. You are maximizing that influence. Man, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just gonna, you, gotta, you just got to let me talk. Just please. Please, I look at, man, I look at Caleb over there, Clara. And they, they have a great dad who's trying to serve God. But there's a mama that holds the hammer at home. No, 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 no. I'm not trying to be silly. There's a mama that holds a hammer and that protects those kids and is a spiritual influence on those kids and is a stabilizing force in the lives of those kids. I'm just, I'm just asking you, in the, in the name of a culture that wants to destroy the role of men and women and by it destroy homes and destroy societies and destroy churches, girls, girls, don't lay down the influence God has given you tracing the dream that the world says you should have. And just follow God. It's so good. You don't have to not be under authority to be useful to God. In fact, being under authority is going to maximize that influence. Hey, if jail wasn't in her tent, she wasn't there to drive a spike through it. There's a whole lot of Ciceras that have gotten into homes because mamas didn't want to be at home. Look, look, look. Are you saying that no women should work? Not at all. I'm just saying there's no amount of money that can compensate for a mama's influence in a home. What you and your, what you and your wife and your husband decide to do, that's between you and God. And, and, and none of my business. And, and I don't go around judging anybody. I'm just telling you a culture demands that women throw off wifehood, throw off motherhood, throw off any kind of thing at home. And that's, that's the way you're going to influence the world. I'm just telling you, if jail wasn't in that tent, she doesn't get Sisera. And we got a whole lot of dogs coming into homes and kids not having any influences there to protect them. Look, I, li- listen, I just, hmm, hmm. I, am, I am thankful for the privilege to get to be involved in God's work in my life. I am thankful for the opportunities God gives me. And, and, and look, I don't go pursuing these things. I can't help. It's just what I believe God has chosen to do with my life, and I'm trying to do the best at it. And there will never be in this life the kind of recognition that so many women and so many moms and so many wives and so many single women deserve. But I'm just telling you, a willingness to submit to authority, a willingness to embrace your role, and rather than seeking a different role, you maximize your role. That is an empowering force that has a generational influence. Man, my, my kids, my kids love church, and they love ministry, and they love God's people. And you know why I believe that so? Because I have a wife that influences them all the time. Hey, mamas and wives, look at me. You cannot overstate your influence on the spirit of your child. I, listen, you don't have to like this. Mamas and wives, you got to get this. There is something unique and intimate about your connection with your children. And you cannot overstate the, the way that your spirit affects them. Man. Even in dysfunctional situations. Man, I'm looking at Gretchen Selvage. I'm looking at Ji Young. I'm looking at Brenda. I'm looking at, um, I already said your mama. Some at Yelena. Man, I'm just, I'm looking at the influence of these women through very difficult circumstances and the spirit that their children have. It's amazing. To the single ladies in here, you are phenomenal. Choosing to embrace the structure of a church and to buy into this culture and to be a part, you're not putting down a hammer, you're picking up a hammer. Man, smashing cycles and tendencies and generations of oppression because women who would embrace the role that God has given to them. Ladies, please get this. You don't need to have a title in order to have generational influence. Deborah, Deborah, Debbie Cakes, 
I'm sorry. Debbie, Twinkies, man, Debbie, Deborah, sorry. She heard from God, and she influenced people to follow God. Okay, okay. some of you are going to have a problem with this, maybe. I don't care. There are women in here who have a walk with God, and they have helped me. 100%. Now, okay, you want, you want some evidence. Man, our trustees, they have godly wives. Man, Marcella Wickland has helped me. Kim Johnson has helped me. Tina Thomas has helped me. Carrie Tinsley has helped me. And they're not the only ones. Man, there's some godly women in this church who have been a help in my life and in my walk with God. I'm just, man, it's amazing. It's so good. No, you just got to throw all this off. Or you can just make the most of it and see what God does with it. So amazing. But what's true? Are you okay? You're doing a really good job. Just stay there. What's true of ladies is also true of men. What do you mean? Stop trying to throw off your role and your responsibility and just submit to it and make the most of it. God can do some amazing things with that. Hey, dudes, you got kids? Be a daddy to them. No, 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 no. You, 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 you make the most of the male influence. God, mm, mm. God made you a man. God made you young men. God made you a man on purpose. And your children don't need you to be less of a man. Godly masculinity is not toxic. It is strong, it is courageous, it is ferocious, it, but it is restrained, and it knows how to love, and it knows how to embrace, and you need to embrace your masculinity and not let a twisted world tell you that you need to be something different, and that your children need you to be something different. No, your daughters and your sons need to see the strength of a man following God. Man. Submit. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get done. In a church, Miss Sandy, in a church, we do not ha- all have the same role. We don't. And, and, and we're never all going to have the same role. And, and, and I've asked you in a, in a different message, Brother Dave, you remember this, in a different message on a Wednesday night, I asked people to guard against having ambition for roles. Remember that? Look, 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 you think in this church, well, I could have influence in this church if I could have that title, or I could have that position, or I could have that role, or somebody would put me here. Hey, if you can't have influence where you're at, you're probably not going to have influence with a different title. Rather than having ambition that drives you, just say, God, if I'm on a cleaning team, I'm going to use that as my hammer to talk to, my, talk to the members that are on my cleaning team and to encourage them. And I'm going to pick up my phone and I'm going to make some calls. I'm going to send some texts. I'm going to pray for some people. I'm going to sing out. I'm going to say amen. I'm going to do what I can to get to know guests. I'm going to be engaged in the service. Stop looking for a different role and just pick up the hammer that God has given you. You know, I could really be an influence if they would let me do that or they would let me do that. No, 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 just make the most of your influence where you're at. I love, I love Deborah and I love jail. Look, I, I hope you understand the heart that this is coming from. One more time for clarification's sake, I did not say no women should work outside of the home. Okay, you all heard that, right? What I did say, and I will not change my mind on this, that there is no amount of money that can replace a mama's influence in the lives of her kids. There is no amount of money that can replace a man and a woman submitting to a structure for the benefit of generations. So good, so good. I just want to clarify one more thing. Mom, did you work outside of the home all the years that I was growing up? Yep. Now, I may not be the best example for your kids turning out right, but (laughs) that wasn't my point. Getting my point? Okay. Stop looking for a different role. Make the most of the hammer God gave you. Make the most of the Bible to hear from God that God gave you. Can Can I encourage our ladies? 
man, we need women in here that know how to hear from God and communicate that. Pastor, you need to let me preach. Probably not. Probably. That, that's not what this text means. Not happening. We'll have a ladies' meeting. Y'all can call it preaching. I won't be here. Do whatever you want at that. Fling it down and use a hanky. Whatever. <laughs> but you don't need to be a pastor. And by the way, biblically, if you're going to follow the Bible, women won't be pastors. That's just the meaning. No, it's not. It's God's idea. Read 1 Corinthians. Read 1 Timothy. It's in the Bible. It's not my idea. It's not demeaning. It's God's idea. And stop looking for a different role. Just say, man, God, you gave me this hammer. Now I'm going to. You know what? You know what a whole lot of you do? What we can do? We miss a whole lot of opportunities to have victories because we're like, man, I want to do something different with my role. Just be submitted to the role God has given you, and God can do amazing things. You can be seated. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Here's the question. Do you have a tendency to look for a different role rather than making the most of the hammer that God has put in your house? Men or women, single or married, young person or less young person, do you, do you, do you look for a way to have a different role rather than making the most of the hammer that God has put right in front of you. Or if there'd be anyone that would raise their hands and say, yeah, that's me. There are areas where that's me and I need God's help. Yeah, I see him, I see him, God. Let's all stand together. And maybe it's not even, look, maybe it's not even that you're looking for a different role. You're just not making the most of the one that God has given you. However God has spoken to your heart, you respond while Brother Nate sings.